Kia ora, welcome to Under the Checkered Flag, MotoGP edition. I'm your host Kate, and today we are going to talk about the lead up to the Liman race, the race itself, and look forward to what we can expect over the next month while we wait for the motorcycle racing to return in Mugello. So let's jump right in. So news broke in the lead up to the Le Mans Grand Prix that Marc Marquez was not going to be serving his double long lap penalty. I for one knew the moment that Honda appealed this penalty that he wouldn't be serving it because they wouldn't have appealed if they didn't have a solid case. And the simple matter of the fact is you cannot change a penalty after the fact. The moment that the FIM changed the penalty, Honda's appeal became, to me at least, compulsory because it didn't become about the incident anymore. That, you know, Mark apologised to Miguel, Miguel accepted his apology and the penalty was given and Mark Marquez accepted the penalty. After that happened and the penalty got changed due to very poor wording by the, FI, uh, the stewards, it became about the fact that they had changed the rules and that the wording was poor and the incompetency and the inconsistency around the penalties. And I am 100% supportive of Honda's decision to challenge it and appeal that penalty. They have every right to do so. I am honestly glad they did because it needed to change. They needed to bring this up in the process so that th this won't happen again in the future. And it does surprise me it's taken so long to happen. Unfortunately, now it does seem like we have had that change, but we're also not seeing the end of this penalty saga because while the that particular wording has changed, we're seeing continued inconsistency in the penalty giving from the stewards. We're seeing inconsistency in the wording from the stewards. And we're just seeing the stewards and the riders not really understanding what's going on. One knows what's getting a penalty, what's not getting a penalty. And the riders themselves, you can clearly see that they're frustrated. The teams are frustrated. The fans are furious online and something has to change. Whether it be a changing of the guards, stricter guidelines, something's got to change and Freddie Spencer actually needs to stand up and front up to either the media or the riders and basically give everyone a clearer picture about what's going on, how we're going to resolve this moving forward because it's not working right now and simply it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable for the riders, it's unacceptable for the teams and again it's unacceptable for the fans and everyone deserves better than the current system because it's not working. So while we're on the topic of Marc Marquez, we have to admit, the man is back. Seeing what that man can do on that Honda, with it in the shape that it is, is absolutely incredible. And while we did get to see the Calyx chassis, chassis this weekend, especially in racing action, it's still crystal clear to me that Honda and Yamaha, the Japanese manufacturers, are so far behind the Europeans. They're so far behind the Ducatis. It does make me really quite concerned about the future of MotoGP and the future of these manufacturers. However, Marc Marquez almost got pole position on the qualifying. Um, the only reason he didn't was because 
Peko set a heck of a good flying lap in the end to take pole in the last possible moment. It was such an exciting qualifying. And while we're on that topic of qualifying, Aprilia, Maverick Vinales, oh, my heart was breaking for them. So Maverick Vinales secured a really, really quick time and then his bike gave out. Just Aprilia things, Aprilia reliability. My gosh, the disappointment I felt yet again for poor Maverick, especially after that chain broke in the last race. I was just gutted for the guy. He did end up qualifying alright and does do well later in the race weekend, which we'll talk about later. However, oh, you, I felt like he could have got a pole position and I was so disappointed for him that he didn't get it. And it was just, oh, the disappointment for Aprilia fans. They must be feeling it right now. And I, as a Honda fan, can sympathise. Although I feel like Aprilia fans are better people because Aprilia is much more wholesome <laughs> than Honda is, especially at the moment. But again, more on that later. So we got the news early after Jerez that Enea Bastanini and Miguel Oliveira would not be competing in Le Mans due to both of them still suffering from their injuries. So uh, Miguel Oliveira suffered a second accident, a second accident that was not his fault in Jerez. Fabio Quattararo took him out. He injured himself. He's hurt his shoulder. There's cartilage damage, a torn labrum as far as I'm aware which having torn my labrum when I was younger, I know it takes a long time to recover from that. It's restricted movement. Fortunately, we have seen him up and about on social media and he does look to be doing well. Hopefully we can count on him back in Mugello, but it is quite shoulder injuries. As we all motorcycle racers know, they can take a long time to heal. And we just really wish Miguel a speedy recovery and to finally have some luck come his way because he's definitely had enough bad luck this season for 10 seasons. So we're keeping you in our thoughts, Miguel. Get well soon. Enea Bastanini, also out. He's still out because of that first round Portimao incident where Luca Marini took him out and he did do his shoulder blade. Um, no, sorry. It was the, um, yes, it is the shoulder blade. I was going to get confused with the collarbone. Sorry about that. So he's still out. He didn't even try and race this time. We know he's going to try and come back for Mugello. So fingers crossed for him as well, because I'm so keen to see the full grid back, which brings us to Paul. KTM, Gas Gas, they have said that they are going to try and get Paul back for Mugello. Personally, I think he should wait a bit longer, but as long as he and his doctors are okay with it, I'm looking forward to having a full grid again it'll be really nice. I just hope that these injuries start to slow down because it's really, really tough to see so many riders get injured constantly. And we got a month off. Yeah, but then we're a triple header. We're back to back. If someone gets injured in Mugello, their season's pretty much ruined because they're going to miss three races effectively. And I just feel like this calendar could have been done a lot better this year. I feel like it's honestly quite a poor job what they've done. And yeah, I expect better from a schedule. I expect a more balanced calendar for the riders. 
especially when they're bringing out, you know, the sprint races and all this double header, triple header. It would be nice if it was spaced out. People would have time to recover if they're injured, but that's just my personal opinion. There was one other rider missing from the weekend, and that was RNF rider Raul Fernandez. So he did attend Friday practice and he did put in three laps, which was a very impressive achievement because he was suffering from arm pump in Hareth, or what we all believed was arm pump. However, it later came to light that the surgery was a bit more complicated than that. He did have surgery on nine muscles in that arm. And I saw the photos that were being shared by RNF and wow, the bruising and it just how he got on that bike and put in three laps. I have no idea. The stuff these guys are made of is just absolutely incredible. They are top level athletes in the words of Daniel Ricardo, high performance athletes, but I've got to give it props to him. I don't know if he only attended because RNF were contractually contractually obligated to run two riders. If so, that's a little sketchy, I'm not going to lie, because Roll was obviously injured and it's so hard to find replacement riders at the moment due to the sheer number of replacement riders that we need. But again, that's a different topic. And so he didn't start the race. He withdrew from the sprint and the race and qualifying. Um, so we only had the replacement RNF rider on the grid. We did also have a replacement at Factory Ducati, which was Petrucci. And I just love seeing Petrucci back on the grid, back in the MotoGP paddock. I think he's just such a fun guy and he looks so happy. Every time I see him on track, I'm like, oh, I'm smiling. Why am I smiling? I know, because Petrucci's smiling. And it's just great having these riders, especially right on the back of Pedrosa. I'm just getting some warm fuzzies, I'm not going to lie. It's nice seeing, you know, the nostalgic vibes of a few years ago when these riders were on track regularly, especially after what seems like quite a tough few years. It's just nice to have these little throwbacks, that's for sure. So now on to Saturday and Sunday. We'll start with Saturday, the sprint. It was a very, very clean fight. I really enjoyed the sprint. It was just what I was expecting from a sprint, if I'm honest, when we first came into the season. Tight racing, definitely hard racing in points, especially between Marquez and Magnaia. But overall, a really fun race to watch and I remember thinking wow tomorrow's gonna have to really pull something out of the hat to keep my attention because this sprint was super exciting and we just have to give big props to Jorge Martin he had so much pressure on him coming into the season after being passed over for that factory Ducati seat and with the introduction of the sprint races a lot of people thought he was just gonna you know, wipe the floor with them and dominate them all. And he's done really well. He has been incredibly consistent in the sprints, in my opinion. But this just went to show that he he is a talented, talented rider. He knows how to balance the tires over the shorter distance, when to push, when to get the results that he needs to get 
to be able to pull stunning results like he did on the Saturday because he got P1 and it was honestly such an incredible ride and I was happy for him and we got probably my favorite moment of the weekend when Elish was celebrating with him. I love that wholesome MotoGP content. It's really nice to see the brotherhoods they have on track. You don't see it often enough in my opinion, the care that some of these riders have for each other and Jorge Martin and Elish, they have such a great bond and I know we see it in the vlogs and uh, Alex Renz and all that bonding. It's like when you see the VR46 boys together or when you see the Marquez brothers. It's just really wholesome content and it just makes you smile. And I'd love to see more of it and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it throughout the season if I'm honest. Because yeah, it's just nice to see people happy for other people because it shows that they're all trying their hardest out there. And when one of them does well, one that they care about, they are just as happy as if they won the race themselves. And that's just really wholesome. I approve this wholesome MotoGP content. Thank you. <laughs> so rounding out the sprint podium, we had Brad Binder, who was absolutely brilliant yet again. Honestly, the things that man can do on a KTM, I feel like he's found something within himself, truly gelled with that KTM. And it's such a wonder to see him up in podium position. He's done it, done and doing so well this season. I'm sure that if he keeps it up, we could be talking about him in a few months' time in a certain fight for a certain title. But let's not get ahead of ourselves because in P3, we had Pecco. Not surprising. We knew he's going to be dominant this season and admittedly in the past few rounds, it kind of sounds bad, but we've been quite fortunate that he's thrown a couple of them away because otherwise he would be running away this season. But the VR46 boys, we knew they'd be challenging, but wow. Luca Marini, P4, Bezecchi, P7, keeping himself well and truly up in the talking points for that certain championship we're not quite ready to mention. But Mark Marquez, P5, mwah. Things that man can do on a Honda, I'm very impressed. P6, Johan Zarco, and rounding out the points, the two factory Aprilias, Aleish and Maverick. Very impressive sprint race. Like I said, it was clean and tidy racing. Exactly what I want to see in a sprint race. One notable absence from those point scorers. Coming into this weekend, it was looking like rain. So we all, you know, had a certain KTM rider on our mind and also the track's a bit windy. So yeah, we, well, my fantasy teams, at least, <laughs> I play four different fantasy leagues. I had Jack Miller as a gold rider, as my top rider in every single one of them. I'm feeling the pain, the poor guy. I just want the man to get his boat. I want him to win. Seeing him DNF in the sprint on Saturday, I was like, no, no, Jack, no, what have you done? It was honestly uh, disappointing, and yeah. I left Saturday feeling just, oh, a little bit disappointed, but having Martin and Marquez up there in the sprint, it sort of softened the blow. So I was feeling positive about Sunday. I thought we were getting Jack Miller, 
back on that podium on Sunday. I'm like, yes, let's get this man his boat. And, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. And so we'll talk about the main day, the Sunday. While I am trying to keep this a solely MotoGP section, uh, because mainly I don't know how many people are super passionate about motorcycle racing and watch all the sessions of all the classes like Moto3 and Moto2 because they have the smaller engine sizes and MotoGP is much more publicised. That is mainly what I'm going to focus on during these podcasts. However, there will be times when I do discuss Moto3 and Moto2 when something I feel should be talked about happens. And, well, in the very first episode, there's something I think that we should talk about, and that is how long it took race officials to bring out the red flag in Moto2 after that really, really big accident. So it was a three-rider, three-bike accident, and the moment I saw it, I knew it was going to be a red flag. And if I myself uh, recognise that we need a red flag... We need a red flag because I I don't consider a small amount of gravel to require a red flag. I'll admit I'm quite lenient when it comes to the flag system. However, the moment this crash, you could it came across the background of the video footage, you knew it was going to be a red flag. There were bikes everywhere, there were riders everywhere. You knew it was a big one, you knew people were going to be injured. It should have been immediate red in my opinion. And yet it took well over a minute. We got shots, video shots of the riders still being on the ground. Aaron Kinnett was obviously uh, nursing his leg and the red flag still wasn't out. And you know the riders start to come around the track. You know it's over a minute. You know there's less than 30 seconds until the riders come back across that scene. And if they catch a glimpse of those riders on the ground, the riders injured, it's a moment of distraction. It's a moment where you're putting unnecessary risk on the marshals, you're putting unnecessary risk on the riders on track, and you're putting unnecessary risk on the riders who are injured on the side in the gravel because they're injured, they can't move as quickly. And honestly, I believe this was simply unacceptable. It should have been red flagged a lot earlier than it was, and we shouldn't be seeing injured riders on the track where you can clearly see they can't get up before we see that red flag. It's just not okay. And I'm incredibly irritated with this. The time it took to get that red flag out, it should have happened at least 30 seconds earlier, probably a minute earlier than it did. Fortunately, we did get that red flag. However, it should have come a lot sooner. Okay, rant over, but yeah. Anyway, on to MotoGP and the Sunday race. It's a much happier topic, although a lot more crashes occur. Let's be honest, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen it. And the Limon crash fest lived up to its reputation. Wow. Wow. That's all I can really say. It was just go, go, go from the start. We saw Alex Marquez run three riders wide in the opening lap. He has now actually received a penalty for that, 
which I do kind of agree with. But again, it's that first lap thing. I feel like penalties on the first lap should be a lot more lenient. However, he did ruin three riders' starts, if we're being honest about it. So it's definitely a penalty that I can actually feel justified for once, which for me, saying something because the stewards in their penalty system is definitely shady. But at least for once, we got what seemed like a reasonable decision. And yeah, it was an interesting start to what was a very, very interesting race. So straight off the bat, Mark Marquez out of second place, sure, but none of us really thought he was going to be up there in that title fight, at least I didn't, goes straight into the lead and I'm just like, wow, this guy, alien. And it was just so much fun watching him. He looked like the old Mark Marquez, the pre-2020, the pre-crash Mark Marquez, the Casey Stoner style rider. Just pure talent on that motorcycle. I was so happy when I saw him. He, I knew he wasn't going to keep it up. I really did because the, the bike's not up to it. The guy's not up to it. It was just so much fun while it lasted. And honestly, I just had a great time. Those first, you know, few laps before the accident started. And... Wow, those accidents were accidents. Because let's talk about lap five and that crash between Vinales and Bagnaya. Looking back, it's a racing incident. You can't say anything else. Both made mistakes. Both should have probably yielded. Neither of them did, so that makes them equally to blame in my opinion but also equally not at fault and so they did collide they did both go down and then for the first time in quite a while we saw some some feisty fighting in the gravel trap um instigated by maverick vinales the the hothead of moto gp and there was a bit of pushing there was a bit of shoving and then they both mounted the same scooter and shook hands at the end, which I find really funny and really quite entertaining. And I'm glad that the two of them seemed to harbour no hard feelings toward each other. It was just a racing incident. These kind of things can happen in racing. They do happen quite frequently in MotoGP and motorcycle racing. And fortunately, both riders are up on their feet. It does hurt Peko in the championship quite a bit because uh, we'll discuss that more later. However, it it means he got no points in the sprint race, uh, sorry, in the main race. And that, when the championship is close at the start, like it is now, is does have really big implications for the entire rest of the season. And so it will be interesting seeing how it plays out should he continue to have a bit of a tumultuous start to the season like he's having and yeah I I don't blame Maverick I really don't I know a lot of people do online but I also don't blame Peko it racing incidents like this can and will occur this won't be the last one we see and if I'm honest it was quite good to see some passion from the riders 
Admittedly, I'd rather there was no physical pushing and shoving. Just a few passionate words and angry Italian and Spanish hand gestures are always quite entertaining. But either way, everyone was okay in this incident and that was really good to see. And this was just lap five and what happens in lap six, to me, was so much more terrifying because we saw the crash between Luca Marini and Alex Marquez and while Pecco and Vinales were in the gravel trap, Marini and Marquez were in the racing line and seeing that crash, it did bring back memories of other crashes that were on the track and it was one of the most terrifying things I've seen in a while, one of the more scary crashes that we've seen in MotoGP for a while. Fortunately, everyone's okay. There were no... Um, no one hit anyone on the ground, nothing like that. So I will just sort of gloss over and describe very briefly the Marini and Marquez accident. So this incident occurred maybe 20 to 25 seconds straight after Pecco and Maverick went down. So Marini loses it. Um, he loses control of the bike, starts the low side, catches it on his elbow, you see the sparks, he starts to push himself up, but Alex Marquez is already taking the line, the two of them collide, and they both go down, like I said, on the racing line, and there are bikes right behind them, they're in the middle of the pack. It was truly, truly terrifying, fortunately, both managed to get out of the way, the rest of the riders, they're MotoGP riders, they have absolutely incredible reflexes and they put them to good use. A lot of the riders lost time, but I highly doubt any of them were going to be complaining about that because it was such a scary accident. I think a lot of stomachs would have dropped. A lot of people would have quite frankly said, holy shit, that could have been so much worse. Thankfully it's not. Let's get back on with the racing because wow. Moments like that are some of the scariest in MotoGP. Fortunately, everyone was okay. All four riders in those two incidents I've just mentioned all walked away, no issues, and the racing continued. And that's lap six out of 27. It was so adrenaline fueled. The blood was pumping. And at this point, we've got Jack Markella. Jack Markella. Wow, that's a new one. And Jack Miller in P1, Mark Marquez in P2, Luca Marini and had just crashed out with Alex Marquez, Bezecchi then moved up to P3, Jorge Martin was in P6 with Augusto Fernandez in P7. Augusto Fernandez, the satellite KTM rider, the rookie who'd had a, a solid start to the season, let's not lie, he's done well, he's performed well, crashed very little, points here and there, not a bad start to the season, but wow, P6. At this point in the race, I was very, very impressed. And all of this was happening, like I said, we were only up to lap six. So let's keep going. Let's keep developing through the race. So it carries on. There's so much, holy cow, whose fault's this, whose fault's that, and we get all the replays of the crashes, which I do struggle with a bit, but fortunately, like, in this situation, no one was injured, so I'm okay with those crash replays, 
because yeah when things get a little bit slower in the racing it can be good to quickly review the incidents how they occurred if we're going to be seeing penalties and things like that both of these crashes they were racing incidents so no penalties came out of these crashes which is really quite nice and refreshing given everything that's been happening in the last few weeks so yeah on to the next part so let's talk about the other crashes at the weekend we had both Mir and Rins crash out the two newbie Honda riders and you've got to feel so ridiculously sorry for Joanne Mir right now it is quite grim to watch what is happening to his season and the toll it's taking on him quite mentally um we've seen it many times in the past with riders like Pedrosa and Polispargo where they fall into basically the Honda trap don't they where it's not the best team to work with they obviously favor Marc Marquez and they don't treat the satellite team very well and that's quite rough to see I don't enjoy seeing that at all and it's really making me debate if I want to continue to be a Honda fan because they're just not fun to watch anymore um and I definitely respect the riders a lot more than I respect the teams as a whole when they're performing not performing when they're treating their riders like this the riders are the ones taking the risk out on that track and right now Joanne Miz crashing pretty much every section Alex Rins is being treated like garbage by Honda when he is such a top-class rider and um, the only person Honda rider that finished on the Sunday is Takanakagami who's been with Honda for many many years and that says a lot and I know that we did get to see the Calyx chassis and it does look like it's a small step forward which I'm super happy for because I really want Honda to be able to pull their head in a bit and succeed but yeah we didn't see it this weekend hopefully we'll see it in the future but I'm not exactly gonna hold my breath for it so another crash was Jack Miller yep just when I thought his weekend couldn't get any worse after crashing out in the sprint he does what Jack Miller does he overcooks his tires by pushing way too hard way too early ends up dropping down the grid and then just by the time you're seeing him dropping down the grid you're like he's gonna crash soon and crashes out yet again yeah just Jack Miller things right <laughs> it seems to be a common pattern which is frustrating because his teammate Brad Binder P6 after being pushed wide by Alex Marquez and ending up all the way down in P18 he gains it all back gets up to P6 he is such a solid rider in the race it makes you wonder what would happen if he could actually qualify well he'd definitely be in the fight for the win every single weekend if he could qualify well and even now he's in the fight for the podium most weekends and it's really really cool to see because he's just such a talented and basically a swell dude as well and if he keeps his consistency up and if Pecco and Marco Bezzecchi don't you know or if they continue to be a little less consistent 
we could actually have quite a good three-way title fight on our hands and I actually really hope that happens because it would be really really cool and so then the final crash of the weekend was Mark Marquez so he crashed out of P3 really close to the end of the race it was in the closing laps the guy just can't settle can he he cannot settle for a p3 he cannot settle for p4 which he was pretty much guaranteed at that point he just pushes that bike to the absolute limit and would rather crash than end up in p5 and no matter what you think about mark it's it's kind of admirable but it's also a little bit terrifying i just wish he'd settle for p3 and now he's not in the title fight for this year due to his injury that kept him out it does become a little bit nervous to see him on the track because you know he will go to the absolute limit and push that bike to the absolute limit and you just hope that he stays on that bike and he doesn't come off and injure himself because i think i'd uh, it would just be another horrible watch like the last two and a half years have been when watching Marc Marquez though we clearly saw he had re enough pace to keep up for the most part with the riders and so I think that when we're looking at Saxon Ring I think he's gonna win there's there's my prediction <laughs> for moving forward Marc Marquez is gonna win Saxon Ring Oh, shock horror, no one else will have predicted that at all. Obviously, that was a joke. But back to the race results. We had two Yamahas in the top 10, which sounds amazing until you remember only 13 riders finished. So points left on the table for the third time this season. A little bit sketchy, you ask me, but we always knew it was going to be dicey with these sprint races. And... I'll definitely be talking in our upcoming podcast episodes about whether we should look at including third riders. Personally, I think it's a really good idea because we are seeing quite a bare grid and it's not a good look for the sport, in my personal opinion. So Fabio Quattararo finished P7, a nice race pace weekend for him. Franco Morbidelli down in P10 and... It does look like Franco's hit that brick wall again, which is a little bit rough because, yeah, we were hoping at the start of the season that he'd do well and he'd be back to plain old Frankie, but it does seem like that injury that he suffered did cause more of an impact on him as a whole human being than I wish it had. So Fabio DG Antonio, I do apologise for my pronunciation, I'm working on it constantly. Um, he finished P8 and I do think he's at risk of losing his seat, but we'll talk about that again later on as well. Alicia Spargaro, P5, quite a comfortable P5 for him. Um, he was the highest scoring Aprilia. And then I want to talk about the podium. And I know we're skipping one, but we will come back to it. So the podium, we had the Frenchman, Zarko. He got the podium right near the end, just after Marc Marquez crashed out. 
the crowd absolutely roared when he got the podium and at first I'm like oh my gosh why are they all cheering because Mark Marquez crashed but then I realized it was because Joanne Zarco one of their home heroes had just put himself into podium contention and yeah he finished p3 in the race it was great and his teammate Jorge Martin after the sprint win on the Saturday he hit p2 on the Sunday so a really solid weekend for Jorge Martin Marco Bezzecchi though the man was in a class of his own this weekend he finished in p1 when he took p1 um, in the race he just put his head down did what he's done before this season and opened that gap up it was an incredible ride by Marco Bezzecchi and he's actually been quite an entertaining watch we all knew he'd do well and we all knew he'd challenge for the podium and the race win and things like that and with Pecco being a bit more inconsistent and Pecco things bending it a few times this season there's only one point in the championship between them at the moment which is exciting it's nice so my rider of the day is the man who finished in p4 Augusto Fernandez the rookie our only MotoGP rookie of this year he's on the gas gas KTM and wow what a ride from him he looked comfortable he avoided all those accidents and he kept his cool he kept that race pace going he performed absolutely beautiful and it was such a strong performance from him it made you realize that yes this man deserves to be in MotoGP yes he's doing well and I honestly am looking forward to when Paul comes back so he's got someone in the garage with him on the other side of the garage that hopefully they can have a sort of mental relationship and it, yeah it's a really solid showing for Gas Gas and Augusto Fernandez and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of it in the future and I really hope he can continue to perform well. So that brings us to the end of the weekend. Now we do have a month off before we get to Mugello. I do plan to release these podcasts every week so I plan to do a few different podcasts over the next month so I'm going to be doing one on my speculations for silly season and some of the rumours that are definitely abundant already and the excitement surrounding possible switches, possible changes, possible new teams, possible teams leaving. That will be quite fun. I also plan to do a sort of question and answer to someone who's looking to come into the world of MotoGP and watching the racing. So that will be another episode. That's pretty much as far as I've got with the organisation of this thing. So I will obviously refine my technique over the next coming months and things like that. I'm really enjoying doing this podcast. Um, thank you for listening and have a lovely week.